Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Maria Olczak from Florence School of Regulation. Uh, I'm here with Sergio Ascari, uh, who is a gas advisor at Florence School of Regulation. Uh, and so we are participating these days in the residential uh, part of the annual training on uh, the regulation of European energy sector. Uh, so welcome, Sergio, uh, and thank you for being with us today. Good morning, uh, Maria. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I would like to ask you some questions about uh, the recent study on Ukraine. Um, it's been presented in June uh, at the Eastern Partnership Platform. Uh, so, my first question will be, uh, what do you think, like, uh, is the progress uh, of gas market reforms in Ukraine satisfying from the point of view of uh, European Union? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, actually, uh, Ukraine has had an incredible improvement in the last few years. The development we've seen are unbelievable. Uh, if you think about what the country was just uh, just four or five years ago, because the country had a very uh, high gas dependency, both in terms of uh, using a lot of gas compared to its level of uh, economic uh, development and uh, uh, also having to import a large part of its gas from a single supplier. Uh, now it's very different. Uh, gas consumption has gone down uh, also because of uh, energy efficiency uh, and uh, uh, supply has been diversified. Uh, Domestic production has been resilient, uh, but at the same time, what is more, imports from Russia have been totally cut and uh, substituted with imports uh, from the West, basically. This was also helped by uh, infrastructure development in the neighboring countries of the European Union, which has helped to import uh, that uh, gas. Uh, however, uh, Ukraine is still a transit country for Russian gas and the consequence is that in fact uh, these, uh, uh, most of this gas is actually is physically from Ukraine but commercially from the West. It's a peculiar situation. Mm -hmm. And well, this was the, on the, what is most interesting is the development uh, of the domestic market. Actually, uh, Ukraine has been quite fast in implementing uh, the rules of the, the main rules of uh, the European energy market. This was required by his membership of the energy community. Mm -hmm. uh, part of these rules have been implemented, but uh, still a lot has to be done. For example, they have decided, but, but not yet implemented, uh, the unbundling of the transmission network. Uh, they still don't have a daily uh, balancing system. They don't have, as a consequence of which, they don't have a daily market. Mm -hmm. And so the market is a little, I mean, there is a vibrant market in their country. But uh, it's a market uh, quite different from what uh, Europe has. It's mostly over the, over the counter market. 
It's made of bilateral transactions. There is uh, only an embryonic gas exchange and the market is probably not as transparent as you would like it. And especially it's almost entirely uh, consisting of monthly deals, which is, of course, at odds with the most recent European practice. Okay. So that's the general situation of the market. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, so now we know what is happening in Ukraine, uh, but uh, uh, let us now focus on the situation in Central and Eastern European countries that are members of the European Union. Um, traditionally, they have been very vulnerable uh, when it comes to potential uh, gas supply um, disruptions. Uh, but uh, in recent years, uh, there has been a lot of investment going on when it comes to uh, reverse flows, uh, um, interconnectors and also LNG terminals uh, in Poland and Lithuania. So what do you think, uh, uh, after implementing all those projects, will those countries be less vulnerable and uh, we can for sure say that, uh, that they are 100% secure or should we look for an, also another solutions? Uh, uh, because the infrastructure is just uh, one part of uh, security of supply. Uh, well, as you said, uh, of course you are very well informed about what happened. It's true that uh, uh, compared to the situation we had, let's say, at the time of the Ukrainian crisis in 2009, uh, Central Eastern Europe has, uh, has really developed a lot of gas infrastructure. Uh, gas demand has also not grown. It has grown in, in some countries like Poland, but much less in the rest of the uh, of the rest of the Eastern Europe. So, in fact, uh, uh, there was a lot of investment in reverse flows, but also investment in interconnection. The problem was the lack of north-south interconnection. Mm -hmm. And now a lot has been done uh, with, uh, and, and still uh, some more uh, connections are in preparation, especially between Poland and Czech Republic and Slovakia, and also between Poland and Lithuania. Mm -hmm. uh, the most active country has been certainly Hungary, mm -hmm. which has developed interconnections with uh, almost all of its uh, neighbors. Uh, at the same time, we see some difficulties emerging because uh, still there is no uh, integrated market. There were hopes, uh, for example, to have a single uh, market for the Visegrad four countries. Mm -hmm. There have been attempts to uh, create a a common market between uh, Austria, Czech Republic and Slovakia. Uh, and, uh, uh, but this has not been uh, really implemented. So we understand that uh, something is still missing in terms of political will. Uh, ironically, Hungary, which was the most active country in developing networks, uh, has become also the country to uh, close, uh, to practically close his market by imposing for a regulated prices at quite low level, mm -hmm. which is the type of approach which is totally at odds with what happens in the, in the rest of the European Union. So you see that we have uh, also some shadows. 
Uh, also, I must say that uh, we see different case situation in the s southeastern part of the, especially if we go down, if we move south to the Balkans, we see that, uh, well, Romania has improved its balance and now self-sufficient again. The good point of Romania was that it was able to develop its, its own resources. Mm -hmm. And, and now it's uh, almost self-sufficient. Uh, not the same in Bulgaria, which was the most heavily affected country back in 2009, but also Bulgaria has worked uh, towards uh, developing more connection with, uh, with Greece, uh, and uh, there, is some, there are some plans to uh, to develop what is called the vertical corridor, that is a corridor linking Ukraine, Romania, Bulgaria, and Greece. Still, this is probably the next, uh, the next development, the next uh, frontier, I would say, of uh, common market development uh, in the Central and Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just to sum up our discussion, uh, so we are going in the right direction, uh, apparently, uh, but still there is a lot of the, that needs to be done, especially when it comes to the market mechanism in uh, this region. Exactly, absolutely. Uh, we have we've seen the, the market developments have been spreading from the West, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and it has been spreading significantly. I mean, uh, for example, the Czech Republic is fully integrated in the Western market, uh, uh, as well as Austria, uh, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, to some extent also Poland are uh, and are also part of this. But as you see, there are uh, also opposite uh, tendencies. And if you go down to the Balkans, you see that uh, the situation is not uh, that brilliant with. Uh, with the creation, with still something really missing to have uh, liquid markets, uh, in especially in southeastern Europe. Okay, uh, thank you very much for for this interesting uh, interview. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>